Greetings, friends, and welcome to Disc Dandies, a podcast where each episode, two friends share a recommendation with one another. We talk about what we liked, what we would change, and try not to judge each other too much over our bad taste. This week, we get our frag on. Let's go. Will, this week, instead of disc dandies, we're going to be DPS dandies. DPS dandies. Uh, damage per second. Am I getting that right? I I guess dandies per second dandies. Oh, okay. 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 Yeah. So, um, yeah, the, the rate of dandies that you're getting on this podcast far exceed any other podcast you're, you're ever going to get. This is, this is quality content that is only available here. Yes. We are taking off our casual fun like outward appearance that we established in our first episode and we're switching into our competitive mode where we're going to be like bottom of the bottom whenever it comes to competitive play see i'm a little worried our first episode we came off as you know very friendly very just into the fun of gaming and not taking it seriously and just there for the fun of it this episode we're going to be toxic as hell right like uh you know tons of like uh, trash talking in the chat uh, you know reporting people for being better at us like i I am definitely going to get my uh, uh toxicity up this episode yeah, you can't do anything but grief noobs whenever you haven't gotten your stimulus check. I, I am I am I am raring to go. Me me too, me too. So let's just go ahead and get into it. This uh, episode is really the first one where one of us makes the proper exhortation, the uh, the choice of game. This was my choice. We are talking about the game Diabotical. So it sounds like diabolical, but it's diabotical. And, you know, I uh, exhorted Jordan to to play this uh, with me this week. And I, I'm glad that we were able to actually get in some uh, fragging time together, uh, played a little, uh, uh, did a little duel. So for those of you don't know diabotical it's what's called an arena shooter or an afps and basically this is a quake clone for those of you who are familiar with the quake game it's that same very fast-paced uses non-standard movement techniques to really focus on moving as fast as you can very twitchy and really focuses on you know killing your opponent in either duels or you know a team deathmatch free-for-alls you know so it's very in, in an arena type map you know so very very twitchy uh, this game is uh, available to play free on the epic store so you know they've got that epic store exclusivity and uh, this is developed by the GD Studios. Uh, and th- this is a studio that they consider themselves to be an esports studio. And this is their first game. And it started and run by basically old Quake pros. So, you know, this game really ramps up everything that makes the 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 quake franchise as competitive as it is so this is really designed to be an esport type game for those of you that are familiar with the quake games they're they're very gritty and dark but this game actually takes the opposite approach and really 
uh, adopts a very colorful outward, like a very cheery aesthetic. And you play as these very uh, colorful round bots or egg bots, as they as they call them. They're they're really cute and you can really customize them with all sorts of bright colors and stickers. So I was yeah, I, I'm a big fan of this game and Jordan had not played it before. So Jordan, I got to ask you off the, off the top. Did you like this game? Before I jump into that, I did want to recognize to your earlier point about this being like the first exhorted episode of Distandies that this is in a big sense, like, I, I guess, like our first real episode of the show, because one of us has now recommended something to the other and we are going to be like picking it apart under that, guys. The thing I wanted to point out here, especially for a game like Diabotical's and how it carries into our like future episodes, is that there is a sort of meta commentary that's going to be established here, which is like who generally these sorts of games are for. So whenever we go into this first question here, talking about how we liked this game, how we like it is very different from whether or not it's a recommendable game. And I, I want to draw that distinction before we go deep on the you know i guess the the various angles of this game because i the answer to your question is i did like this game i think it for for my tastes is what i look for in a multiplayer shooter which is easy to like wrap your head around the controls and actually get into the game and engage with the mechanics and the other players but lots of layers of depth following after that that's a great point you know whether we like it doesn't mean whether we actually think that it's something that we would recommend to other people or whether you know on like a um you know one to ten scale uh recommend you know that that we would give it like an overall high score because i like a lot of games that are just I don't consider it to be like very well designed games. So yeah, so you know, keep that in mind for this uh, this podcast that you know we're going to be you know looking at it from both angles, but whether we like it and then whether we think it's like well designed and how it's going to play in the in the overall public space. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm glad to hear that that you like the game. Like you were just saying, did you find uh, the the mechanics of the game easy to pick up? I do, and there's one of the things that sticks out first whenever i talk about or think about diabolicals because i it, at first it was something that i i don't even think we've talked about this yet it was something that like i kind of bounced off of at first but like within our first match kind of like liked a lot was the sort of floatiness to the movement mm-hmm. yep. T- typically that term is used to describe something that doesn't feel good but i think this feels good because it, it kind of gives it not necessarily like a like a physics-y type feel but like uh, it's in that vein of like you have to think about where you're putting yourself because there's a like a like a small like window of uncontrollability in your movement as you move throughout the environment where you'll just kind of keep drifting just for a second after making like a jump and, and it's stuff like that in this game there are details like that in this game that i think are good and things that you want to be in competitive shooters which is like you can't in a game like Call of Duty where you're running and gunning, it's very tight. It's very like the the mistakes are not really your own. They're more like, you know, develop the development in the development of the game or like, you know, sometimes it can be too frantic. The maps can be too small, that sort of thing. In this game in Diabotical, it's those like, you know, sort of drifty mechanics where you're like, well, I made this jump. I thought I was going to make it. I did make it, went further than I thought, and I, and I was vulnerable because of that. I wasn't thinking properly about my movement and the weapon I was using. And there, that's where the depth comes in, in this game. And that's what has drawn me into it so far. 
Yeah, movement is so important in this game. Uh, I'm sure most of the people who are well invested and play a lot of this uh, tell you that like, you know, the skill floor is being able to accurately move your uh, your character, your bot in the way that you want it. Um, a player who has um, a stronger control over the movement of their character is going to smoke, you know, any you know noob that comes in and doesn't like understand the finer points of how movement works in this game it is they're just going to smash them um, because you, you really have to know how to take advantage of those weird, um, you know, quake like physics uh, that were um, that were brought into this game. Uh, and that, as I said, it's a, it's a skill floor. Um, you you can play this game without really understanding the mechanics of the movement uh, and all that stuff, but the game really expects you to know. In the when you first open the game, there's a tutorial that kind of uh, very quickly explains some of this. You know, like shows you kind of the uh, a few of the basic tricks to movement, and uh, sh- you know shows you that speed of movement uh, is important. So I, I want to ask you: Have you ever played any of the Quake games before? I played Quake 2 back in the day. Like, I can't even remember the exact year it came out. I just, it, it, it may not even been Quake 2. It was around that era. Because I know there had been Halos coming out at the time and stuff like that. So there there was a lot of, like, jibbing between the Halo and Quake communities in terms of, like, you know, what was the better shooter. But you know, that sort of, that, that was the era I played it in. Right. Yeah. I um, actually didn't play any Quake games until the most recent real Quake game, Quake Champions, uh, which came out in 2016 and was definitely a attempt at modernizing the genre. It had all of the normal like Quake aesthetic, the movement uh, quirks, uh, the um, uh, iconic weapons, but it tried to add uh, kind of like Overwatch like character based abilities. Uh, And those were mostly disliked by the community who are you know very hardcore competitive players they uh wanted to show off their skill and didn't want their skill nerfed by certain like game breaking um uh character powers so yeah so this game like i mentioned it's made by old quake pros it's very much meant to make having skill in these mechanics really shine and really give you that advantage over people who have not mastered those mechanics so you know like i i wonder is that good or bad uh, there's obviously room for games that are super casual and want lots of people to play them like like fall guys we talked about last episode and then there's room for games that are very high skill floor so you know like i, I just i just wonder is this game going to flourish with having such a high barrier to entry to doing well First of all, uh, we're establishing that, you know, old-timey Quake players are crybabies. Any amount of changes <laughs> is too much for them. They literally created their own game because they didn't like how the the, the um, current iteration of the game was going. So they were like, no, we're, we're just going to make our own game. Okay, yeah. So, okay, so going back to my crybaby statement, uh, my response to people who say, like, well, I don't like this change you made is like, okay, well, fine, go make your own Quake. And uh, you can't really use it here because they did. So I guess prop, props to them for that. They were salty enough that they were like, no, nah, I'm going to go make my own Quake. So to answer your question, I don't, it, it, the way the game is currently designed, and we're about to go hard on this, I assume, because this is something we've talked about a lot as we played it. Uh, I don't think it can grow, and not, at least not substantially. I think that they have a lot of archaic um, matchmaking philosophy going on. And I also don't 
at least from what we can tell, there might be a, a, a relatively popular mode uh, among them all right now. But I don't think the game has an identity in terms of like there being a signature mode. I'm sure most people play in free for all or something like that. But I, I don't really see that as a free for all mode isn't really what you hang your hat on, to be honest, in, in most games like there there and maybe, you know, some might disagree with me, but I think that your game has less to offer if that is your like if that is your mode you know what i mean as a game yeah yeah you're you're definitely right um i on second thought i think that was a bad question that i posed uh you know there are room for both of those kinds of games but for games to be considered successful they you know they have to grow um so yeah yeah that's that's the way to put it can this game grow being a game with a uh, with a high skill floor and, and you're and you're absolutely right the the main issue that we ran into uh were long queue times uh and that was another complaint with quake champions and i think that was for a different reason i don't want to spend too much time talking about that game um but um that problem didn't get fixed when they moved uh you know w- when most of those players moved on uh to diabol- uh diabolical uh yeah there's there's a lot of different modes and a lot of people only want to play certain modes um it's nice for there to be a um a good mix of things so you can do something different. But when your player base is already like the numbers are already kind of nerfed by that high skill floor, you've got to do more to kind of get all the the players mixed in and kind of kill these queue times. Um, because there have been times where I wanted to play and then I had to wait like three minutes to, uh, to play the mode that I wanted to play. And that just kind of uh, killed all the excitement that I had. And three minutes in an online shooter is kind of like ridiculous. There are there are games, very popular games like Overwatch and like League of Legends that have long queue times. It, they're different reasons than probably the reasons for Diaboticals, if I, I were to assume. Like I, I think that it is a player count and an active player issue that is leading to those long queue times. Um and on that note, I think, you know, looking at all the different game modes that they do have, I think they just have too many. And I think that whenever you have a small player base, if you really want free-for-all to be your mode, or if you want one of the team modes to really be your mode, I think that you need to limit it to one or two queues. And you and well, and I'll get into the other half of my point here in a second, because I think I'll go off on this tangent real hard if I go there now. But hmm. um, I, I think that like something Overwatch did in the beginning, uh, same thing with like Rocket League and uh, you know other like successful multiplayer games or competitive games that have you know queues, is that you create one mode and for like Overwatch it was just you know team you know choose any character and it was that one mode for the longest time it was just quick play, and as time went on they added other stuff but that was like average player play player base grew and they you know worked ranked into the equation but from what we can tell this game is just spread a little thin by the different modes people will prefer different things and if you want the game to be successful you need to get like especially a game like this that is fast and is so like simple like a good simple in in the sense that like you can just kind of hop in and hop out you know it's it there there's not a lot of there's not a lot of like progression in a sense and you want to like really lean into that by making it very snappy and quick to get in and out of in terms of like your your matches and your match length 
And uh, I think that goes into my other point, which is uh, our point, really, because I think we both felt this way. Uh, the lack of a true ranked system, uh, because they have 1v1 and 2v2 or something like that, the lack of like an MMR, at least as far as we know, something to gauge player skill versus another player's skill seems non-existent. And I think that's really bad for a game that skill is everything in. Yeah, yeah, you you've nailed you've nailed it on on the head there, um, and and that's one of the the, the frustrating things. Uh, you even uh, okay, so there are two like main um, like categories of game modes, and, and overall, there's like there's like twelve different queues you can hop in if you if you want to. Uh, there's a number of quick play ones uh, which are you know nominally not ranked, but I would I would like to think that there's some sort of MMR matchmaking that's happening underneath the uh, underneath the the um, the paint there. And then there's ranked, uh, and uh, you know ranked is very competitive and, and and like you say a game like this where skill is so important uh if you go into ranked and you don't at least have that minimum level of skill you are not going to have a good time it's actively going to be a bad experience um you know so that uh, so you think oh great that's what quick play is for quick play is for uh, me to go in and just have fun and kind of slowly work on my um uh, work on my skills but the the problem and i think both of us experienced this was um if someone in quick play is so much better than you it still kills the experience uh you know of uh you know trying trying to get better because you know like they're if if they're that much better than you like you you don't have a good time uh so yeah there really needs to be more work done especially in the quick play cues um when those need to be pared down to maybe just two or you know like two uh and also, you know, more MMR like uh, matchmaking, more more um, granular uh, matchmaking in those queues uh, needs to happen to make it a more equitable playing experience. In its current state, uh, I, I will say that that's been the most like feel bad experiences I've had when we played together or when I played alone was just being paired with someone that was just ridiculous, and yep. it, it and it and like it makes it harder to get better with weapons or work on your aim or your movement or anything like that. Whenever you're getting popped off repeatedly and very quickly. And, you know, in a sense that forces you to get better, but I really think that some people are so much better at this game that at least as a newcomer, it can feel like I don't want to play this because it's kind of, it's, it's really cutthroat, you know? And for a game like this, that has such a dedicated community that you made this point when we were playing, their community size is probably going to be the same throughout its entire lifetime, or at least roughly yeah. in that in that range. I, at first, I thought that was like a fine goal for a game to have. It's like, hey, we're just trying to create it for this audience, you know, like, uh, and, you know, because it's something that a sect of the gaming community wants. I think that that's not really a good approach in this era, because there are more things that will come over time that will pull from your from your base. Um, as much as we might not think it's this way, there are, most people don't just play one game. They may come back to it and try it and play it out some more. But I think it, in this modern era where you have so many games coming out at any given time, what's to stop another Quake-like game coming out and just, just stripping this fan base? Yeah, you grow. Yeah, in this in this um, um, 
uh, environment, you grow or you die. You know, that's that's unfortunately how it is. If you are not a Fortnite or a PUBG or an Among Us or a Fall Guys, uh, like who, who cares? You'll play it for a little bit and then you'll move on to whatever the zeitgeist uh, is of those times. And you're absolutely right. Um, you know, uh, the number of modes is part of what's causing the long queue times, but it is just number of players. Um, it, you know, uh, like getting rid of all the, you know, like, um, uh, uh, useless cues uh, would help, but if they don't get more players, it's just going to um, it, it's it's not going to help those queue times. And, and you know, as far as um, like uh, player psychology uh, works, you know, you have to give players you know at least the chance of winning and doing well because that's what makes them want to keep playing your game. And a game like this where that's so hard, you know, they're not doing themselves any f uh, favors in terms of getting new players. Going back to your point uh, about the other games that are like kind of uh, actively growing and, you know, retaining uh, bases, I think that those games are evolving. They are changing. And even though they're the most popular, like the games you listed are on top of the world right now and they've remained on top of the world because they keep adding and they keep innovating they keep or not necessarily innovating but they you know like they're pushing their community forward and they're they're giving new carrots uh you know for the audience to like chase after and i think it's important especially in a game like this where you don't have like uh weapon upgrades you don't necessarily have like skill trees you don't have any like uh tangible things that you are building on a meta level that you do things that incentivize people to keep coming back because the, the, the for a game to be designed the way this game is designed you're hanging everything on the gameplay you're saying like look we, you don't need anything except for this tight awesome like good gameplay that the experience is what you're coming for that sort of thing i don't think will hold the audience that they that they need to survive as a game for very long they they have to add on to this for it to grow uh, in any capacity and even just to retain the people that they have. Oh yeah, 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 for sure, for sure. Um, yeah, I will say, uh, in their defense, in, uh, uh, GD's defense, uh, they do patch this game every single day. Every time you log in, there's a, um, uh, like a, a patch log, uh, over on the left side and every day is, is different. They're always tweaking numbers. I know that they've actually changed and, uh, uh modified some cues in the past. Uh, so they're doing a great job of like listening to that nitty gritty, uh, uh, response that the players have to different things but obviously they have their own goes uh, goals as well so hopefully they're listening and they'll like slow slowly like uh pare down some of these q offerings maybe um uh, uh you know c uh, combine a few so at least they're listening and they're actively working on the game and i think you know to your point maybe that can be the change that kind of has this game uh evolving over time and helping to help retain players so my thinking here isn't not so it, like because it, it, it's fine that they are making those incremental changes and stuff like that to improve that the like the gameplay and like experience for the players. But I think I'm thinking more along the lines of like like for instance like Fall Guys of season two where they have added uh, new uh, mini games like substantial additions to the game, whether that for, whether for this game, I, I would imagine it would be something like introducing a new weapon. Um, like one new weapon would probably greatly change how the game plays. 
I think that it's stuff like that that I think um, you have to kind of inject to a game like this where like it, the, the experience is largely shared. Everyone has access to the same upgrades and weapons as they play. And it's one of the it's one of those things where like if that's the case, what what is your what's the incentive for continually playing this game and coming back? What is going to, you know, uh, keep people on the line? And maybe it's just a disconnect between myself and the base uh, that the developers are trying to appeal to here. But for me, I do need something uh, kind of uh, incentivizing me to keep spending my time in that game. Because like, while I did enjoy this game, it's not something that I can find uh, that I think is going to have its hooks in me forever. It, it is largely just the gameplay experience that you're playing for. And I, I think it's more just that, like, the, the sense of community and, like, shared events and stuff like that is more what I'm, like, a, appealing to here. More, more of my criticism lands, you know? That, that, make, that makes sense. Um, I think that the community as a whole would be very um, against adding, like, maps, yes. They would love new maps. Um, they would never want any substantial changes to the weapons. Those are, like... Um, those those are you do not touch those uh they, they don't call the um the three most popular weapons the holy trinity for nothing um they, they will be very adamant to any core fundamental change of how the the game works but you know like new like silly modes uh would be a uh, welcome uh new silly maps or you know you know just new competitive maps i definitely think is a, a direction they need to go in uh you mentioned a bit ago you know that you know that you need something that kind of like uh keeps your um interest and keeps you wanting to play i i think the developers of this game expect that to be the increase of your skill uh, you should be playing this game because you see improving at this game as a tangible good that you want to work towards now whether that's actually going to work and keep people invested uh, my guess would be not but that is going to that is kind of like what they want the overall like um, uh, uh, the overall hook of this game to be is I want to be the best at this game. Uh, and as to whether that'll work in the long run, I guess we'll have to see. But yeah, let's um, go ahead and uh, move on to uh, something I really want to talk about is the customization and the aesthetic of this game. Uh, like I mentioned, you know, Quake is very you know gritty and dark, and this is very colorful. Um, you know, these cute little egg bots that jump around and murder each other <laughs> with uh, futuristic weapons. Um, it's it's got a almost like um, Fortnite level of uh, like color, like a color palette. Uh, do do you like the, the the bright colors in this game? This is actually one of the, like the things that I do really like. One of the most attractive parts of this game that I like is the uh, aesthetic. I like the uh, ability to like you, you basically your eyes and mouth and all that other stuff that you put on these bots. Uh, they're just these orbs with arms and legs, and you can like basically get stickers that look like you know different body parts or like facial features, and you know paste them on however you want and orient them and resize them and stuff like that all over your bot. Um, and I think that is a, like a very fun and uh, like great way to allow players to like customize their individual bots. I think there's this, there's a certain level of ownership that gives you over your bot too, because it, the likelihood that your bot is going to look like another one is actually lessened because there's so much that you can do and like so many different ways that you can orient the same sticker uh, that makes them look different. 
Oh, yeah, yeah. It's almost like you're customizing a car. Uh, like you're playing like Gran Turismo and you're like putting all of these like vinyl wraps on it. Uh, it's almost got that kind of feel to it. You can make your bot, uh, which is just basically, um, I mean, it's obviously like a um, uh, like a squat ball robot that jumps around, but it's mostly just like a blank piece of, I guess, ceramic is what it looks like. Um, but you can make it any color you want. Um, they give you all sorts of um, stickers to begin with and you unlock more um you know as as part of the free battle pass which we'll talk about here in a bit um but yeah it's yeah you do not look like anyone else it gives you so much uh, freedom and and i love it and it's also a great way to um uh make yourself stick out in like free-for-all modes or um you know in duel the the most competitive version of this game or a you know q in this game is the one-on-one duel and that's where i feel you can really show off um the customization uh that you did especially if you're playing uh you know highly competitive and you see the same people over and over again you can kind of have an identity uh, uh within the game i do wish that there was more of a way to show off uh the way like if someone killed me maybe i could like see their bot uh you know a bit closer the high the the fast pace of this game kind of makes it hard to kind of see uh what other people have um, done with their bots. So I wish there was a way to kind of show off um, a bit more. Um, but overall, I love the um, way you can customize your bots. Uh, Will, I just realized that? this is the this is the Poly Pockets of competitive shooters. Ooh, yeah, yeah. I can't think of any other shooter where you get this kind of customization. Uh, yeah, and I'm sure that this very open-minded fan base will appreciate that comparison poly pockets are cool my older sister um had some and i remember playing with uh with them when i was a kid so absolutely no shame in your poly pocket craze yeah yeah great poly pocket game 10 out of 10 in that regard uh uh that said i think a like a really like a fun thing that they could maybe do is like when you get killed because i think it's fast enough it's just like a snap zoom to the the bot's face you know, or where its face should be just like a snap zoom and then like kick you back into the game, you know, just like, uh, you like, I sort of think of the borderlands introductions, you know, how they show you the character really quick as they're like moving through their little opening scene, just really quick, just like snapping into them after they kill you and then moving on. Yeah, yeah, that that would be super cool. I guess we should mention uh, you you mentioned it a bit ago, but most of these stickers focus on like creating a face on the front of your uh, of your bot. There there are other things like uh, like a package stuff and like caution and that stuff, but a lot of what you're getting are different kinds of eyes, different kinds of mouths uh, and stuff. So the idea is you're creating like a face, but you can get very creative uh, with with what you have. So yeah, the possibilities are limitless. Yeah, as much as you seem to detest the phrase, your bot uh, wins the category for most uwu. It, it, it does, it does. And, and later on, I'm going to save this towards the end, but later on we'll talk a little bit more about our preferred customizations. Uh, and to, to go into our next point, um, you know, new stickers is actually a great way of monetizing this game. Uh, you know, this is a, a free-to-play game, so obviously they're going to do the, you know, um, uh, natural ways that games uh, uh, make money uh, This uh, uh, in this age, and uh, this is no exception. They have a, um, a pretty standard battle pass uh, situation where by playing and by doing daily challenges, you get 
gain XP. And by doing that, you get levels and you get free items. And then you can pay money to open up the battle pass and get even more customization. Uh, the, um, the paid currency coins, you get some of those. You get uh, more customization, some more eyes, nose stickers uh, to put on your bots. And I think some avatars, some other things like that. So this is pretty pretty standard. Um, do, you, do you like the way that they've uh, monetized this game so far? I think it's fine. Uh, I think it could be a little bit more robust. Like for, for instance, the bots. I think could uh, just aesthetically be varied more. I I think like uh, for example, Peabody and Atlas from Portal. Yeah, you know how they're both generally you know like uh, spherical objects with arms and legs. I think this game could go in a similar direction that like portal went with those two characters and that you have uh, your your bots are all still arms legs thing in the center but you could maybe have a little bit more freedom with the shape of your your egg bot i guess mm-hmm. um because that doesn't affect gameplay it's just it's strictly a you know aesthetic thing but I think what could really make this game's monetization or like cosmetic model like pop off is just having like roll cages and stuff like that. You know, just like weird, like crazy things that you can actually put onto your bot. Uh, maybe like change like arm sizes or you know le- or like leg links or anything like that. Nothing that like gives you an advantage in like um, in gameplay, but just all like you know just just make your bot look ridiculous. See, it's it's interesting that you bring that up. Um, I think that they actually specifically chose not to do that. I think the idea is because they want this to be an esport and uh, be, you know, um, as um, competitive as it can. I think they're specifically saying no one will ever physically look different. Uh, you can only change color and then things that appear on your ball. Um, it definitely seems like their uh, design philosophy is everyone looks the same. Uh, geometry and shape wise but you know i think that there's definitely some things they could do um to uh incorporate your idea um maybe in like fun modes you could change the shape or you know i I don't know how they'd feel about changing the shape but not changing the hitbox um but um yeah that would definitely open up tons of uh, opportunities for monetization yeah and so uh this will be one of the few areas that i say this but I don't believe Marxism is the correct route for every decision being made. Uh, yeah, at most, yes. But in this instance, I think like aesthetic like choice is like a very people latch onto that a lot. And I, I like obviously I'm not a game designer. Maybe that there there's some greater appeal to having like a sort of like generalized uh, silhouette to your uh, to your uh, characters, your player characters. But I think that people like having some amount of like ownership over their appearance and they like crafting their identity in a game and like having a game where you can edit your your appearance so much i think would greatly benefit from like just giving you like frame control you know uh but it's their choice and and I, i can't necessarily criticize them for it it's just it i don't see how it could harm them is my I guess rebuttal to that. It, it's it seems like that that's like kind of leaving money on the table type thing. Sure, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, I would probably say that I think the stickers and color customization is enough on that um uh, on that front uh, that they wouldn't need to dip into that. Uh, but uh, I think you make a a good choice. I would also like to take this opportunity to officially put on tape that uh, it's weird to put sour cream and chili. And I don't know why people do it, and everyone should stop. 
Uh, I'm going to have to say you're wrong for that. And where is this coming from? I'm, I'm just going to say it. Sour cream and chili? No good. Now, <laughs> to, to move on. <laughs> uh, you, so when you play the battle pass the free battle pass doesn't give you enough coins and that's the paid um uh, currency that costs money it actually doesn't give you enough to buy the battle pass outright but if apparently if you play for a number of different battle pass seasons you can eventually get enough coins to buy uh the um buy the battle pass for free those coins are mostly going to be buying one-off cosmetics available in the store a free game that like on the entirety of the experience is of it like is available for you to uh play and access without paying anything i think them mon- like almost hard monetizing their battle pass is totally fine i i am not a big fan of like dlc or battle passes or anything like that in particular like they're just things that like uh, i i am seeing in premium games that cost 60 dollars now uh that i am not as okay with but i think free games like fortnite fortnite and apex legends and you know magic arena and even diabolicals like having a paid pass is totally fine and justifiable in terms of like bringing in money for the application because i think that you if you want the application to improve to improve you do have to expect that like the business is going to make business decisions they they they're gonna as long as we are in the structured uh economy that we're in uh they're going to need ways to pull money into the game and i think having making it hard for people to uh through free means to get the battle pass i think is okay um i i don't think that's exclusive exclusionary at all i think that it is strictly like a good way to make the game money sorry this is a long form way of saying that no no um yeah no one can say that this is predatory and this is like the game that's philosophy is all about you do not need to spend money everything is available to you you can't buy anything that's going to affect gameplay at all whatsoever no new weapons uh no new special abilities or anything like that it is all up front uh so yeah i can't complain about this um i think it's a great way if you're someone who like really likes this quick like gameplay and really wants to support this you have a way of spending money to do so and then if you're like me and you're just masochistic and just want to like uh, have you know the boot on your throat <laughs> when you when you play this game uh you can do that too sure i guess we have to also admit uh, we mentioned this before but um this is an epics game store exclusive and my understanding is they kind of had to do this uh in order to like uh you know get the game out the door and get that extra inflow of cash to um get this uh, you know to get this game where it is that they kind of had to choose the um epic exclusivity uh you know to actually create the game so i don't hate them at all uh for doing that but there are some people that are going to be turned off by that and you know people who are unhappy with epics like um business choices uh and stuff like that but you know just just keep in mind that you're also getting that um uh shrinking of the player base uh due to um exclusivity yeah uh, so this is probably a really good area to talk about this because it's going to come up in future episodes, I'm sure. But the epic exclusivity thing, and really, I guess, I guess video game exclusivity to a longer, to a larger extent, whether it be like, you know, Microsoft or you know, Sony exclusive to their respective consoles. How do you feel about that as a, I guess, as an abstract concept? 
Uh, I can't bring myself to be too worried about it. Um, I, of course, like I've never been an Xbox person. Our family was always like PlayStation and I didn't start playing PC games until I was, you know, a grown man that was able to buy my own uh, PC. There are games that were on Xbox that I've never had the chance to play, but I could never bring myself to be angry about that. You know, like there is a business behind all of this and they have their reasons and I can't be mad at businesses for like protecting their IP in ways that they see fit. Um, I, I wouldn't, and I wouldn't go as far as saying that it's like anti-consumer for a game to only be on like one console or only be on PC. Um, so yeah, it's, it's unfortunate, uh, uh, but I wouldn't like, I can't be angry about it. I know some people won't really feel that way, but that's, that's where I am out on the topic. So my view on this is I don't like exclusives as a concept. Um, I think that it does hurt people that maybe don't have access to the money required to have all the systems necessary. Uh, but I think that I, I agree with you in that I don't think that they're wrong in the way that they've historically been implemented. Um, I, I think that like owning a PlayStation and having benefits for that is not a negative thing. And of course, like if you know if a publisher. Uh, or, or a, a console manufacturer owns game studios, uh, of course they're going to release it exclusive to their consoles. So at, on that level, I it's it's I think that it's understandable and okay, but I think I would like as many people as possible to have access to all the games that they want to play as they can, mostly just because it feels kind of bad to be, you know, that 16-year-old, you know, they got a console for Christmas, you don't have any income of your own, you could go 14-year-old, whatever. But like, you know, uh, not having access to the funds to have the consoles that you want, you get a little punished uh, for choosing a side. Um, and that's a feeling I don't like, but I understand why it exists. I, I can't I can't describe not having access to certain types of video games as being punished. I think that that's not really the way we should be looking at video games or most media, like because video games are a not something that people like absolutely have to have. Like I never got the opportunity to play Halo. Uh, and I, I, I don't think that like I had some sort of right to do so. Oh no. Yeah, no, I, I definitely don't mean it as in like, you know, obviously there are greater things that you worry about, you know, like food, shelter, all that stuff like that. Those are things you have rights to, but I think that I, it, I feel this less about games that are owned by Sony and owned directly by Microsoft in more. I, I feel this way about titles that are third party, you know, yeah, the third party and sure. Like maybe like money was put towards the game by a publisher, which again, kind of mud, muddies the water a little bit more, but we've seen other games like, um, like rise of the tomb Raider, um, uh, which was you know a few years ago that was really that was a timed one year exclusive to Microsoft consoles, which was a little like brutal uh, at the time because I, I I think that whenever I use the term punished, I don't mean that like you know the, like a, a rude act has been done to you. It's more like you made a an informed decision and then the terms were changed on you later. That, yeah, that that makes a lot of sense. Um, yeah, I, I know what you you mean by that, um, and, and I totally understand in terms of um, uh, like games that have no reason to not be on every um, platform, but aren't just based on certain business decisions, like just some sort of like exclusivity deal uh, instead of just like uh, uh, like Metal Gear Solid Three that was specifically only ever meant to be played on a PS3. Uh, so I, I understand what you mean. 
Yeah. And just to kind of like uh, now become a hypocrite and uh, contradict what I just said. I also think that it is a good thing that some of these exclusives that do exist now exist because they may not have had the chance to exist otherwise. And I think of games, well, obviously like Diaboticals. If if Epic put money forward to help this game like reach completion and stuff like that, I am happy that happened and I'm willing to pay the, the price of like an exclusivity type thing um, for it to exist. Because I think that that is a good thing and that is, a, that is a good price to pay. It's like, oh yeah, of course this is only, you know, available here. Like this game wouldn't exist for us otherwise. And that makes me think back to games like Bayonetta 2 on uh, the Wii U and, uh, you know, soon to be Bayonetta 3 on the Switch. Those games wouldn't exist without nintendo's uh money basically and i i think that in those situations in a situation like that like i i think that the the mistake to make here is to make the one i made at the top of this discussion which is to generalize all exclusives as bad uh because i definitely don't mean that i just mean that i think the concept of an exclusive is rough for players um because it requires spending a lot of money to kind of get all the experiences but I understand why they're a necessary evil. No, you're you're totally fine. I we we uh, I we know what you mean in in good faith. Uh, so you're 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 good. Just so everyone knows, uh, I, I want to make sure that everyone has a complete picture of who I am as a person. You know, where we we um, are thinking about this podcast as a very positive place where we can, you know, in good faith, you know, talk about these things and disagree, and uh, you know, o- overall just try to find the joy in whatever we're talking about. But let me tell you, I can tap into my inner curmudgeon sometimes. So, uh, 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 listeners to to this dandies, be prepared for me to occasionally uh, come out with a hot take and uh, defend it to the bit end hey i i came into this podcast knowing that i would have to be talking uh to people who are wrong a lot uh my opinions being right all of the time it is it is definitely very difficult to talk to other people you know (laughs) right yeah yeah so uh right yeah so um i I think we're in agreement here with the with the monetization of this game sure i think it's fine exclude it's exclusivity whatever uh, you know i i'm glad it i'm glad it exists i'm fine with it they had to do what they had to do to make the money for this game because unfortunately we aren't living in the uh, socialist utopia we wish we we wish we were in and we have to these businesses have to make money right right for sure now this game cannot exist on consoles like you have to be playing on pc like if you tried to play this with a controller like you would never get anywhere I have determined that playing games with the first-person shooters with a controller, like I have been enlightened by my PC, PC master uh, race ascendancy, that like FPSs on consoles not good. That is a no good. That is that it is miserable. I, I tried playing Halo not too long ago on an Xbox, and it is just it is archaic as all hell. And I'm so sorry for all the console users that don't get to use mouse and keyboard. I, I want to bring that snake back around to eat its own tail back to the top of our conversation today, which is that like, you know, we talked about whether or not you know, about like there being a, a, a delineating um, distinction between liking a game and it being very recommendable. And I think that we need to have a larger conversation about that because this is probably one of the best examples of there being like a gulf between those two opinions that we're going to see for some time um i I can start us off here by saying that like i think this is one of the games that i have liked the most that i would recommend the least Oh yeah, yeah, for for sure. Um, this game is hell. Uh, um, if you're anybody, and this uh, goes to me for an extent, but if you're anybody who like 
starts feeling bad about themselves, maybe has like self-esteem issues or, you know, anxiety. Um, and like you are bad at this game. This is only going to make those feelings worse. And this game is great for making you just feel like shit, just like you are the worst and, you know, you don't deserve to be here and you should just like throw your computer away and never try to play a game ever again. This game is great for uh, making those feelings worse uh, than they already are. So I would definitely not recommend this game to anybody unless they are the type who want to sit down and do the work to learn how to be super, super good and then you know prove their skills against people who have played much much uh more than you like i said i'm a bit of a masochist so you know maybe i uh enjoy the the boot on my uh, on my throat so to speak but no like i would never like i would never like tell you know like um my my casual friends who uh you know to play this game or you know i would never like uh, you know invite my girlfriend to play this game uh you know who, who's not a gamer um so, so yeah so i definitely would um it would be a limited um area of recommendation yeah, and I think that brings us uh, to our next big bullet point. And this is something that I, like we talked about a little bit before, you know, recording uh, in a previous conversation. The meta commentary we're going to have in this show is like, like each episode that we would like to touch on is um, the 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 topic we're covering. We want to determine who these things are for in a larger sense, and I think that's a very interesting discussion here. Uh, because we've already established that we don't think right now it has a lot of appeal to a larger audience. Um, it, despite it being a good game, it doesn't have the, uh, I guess, uh, the the reach to pull in a large number of new players due, due to its design, whether it be matchmaking or it's like progression, you know? And uh, I, like for me personally, I, I think that this game is for like league bros uh for instance like people who get a uh a sense of satisfaction out of just getting better like you established yeah. that that's probably what the uh, developers are like appealing to anyways but i think it's a it's a really really narrow audience that they're appealing to uh, whether it be you know people who are already into quake or people who just want that competitive experience and just want to be good at video games and love that adrenaline rush of a fast-paced quick match i think this is the audience that that's for yeah what are your thoughts oh yeah definitely and there's not even like a other kind of um quasi-competitive games like Fortnite, which are easy to pick up and hard to master, this is hard to pick up and uh, even harder uh, to master. Uh, yeah, so that's, yeah, it's a very narrow range of people who are just naturally going uh, to want to play this or play uh, beyond uh, a couple of um, a couple of games. Uh, and, you know, I think there's another thing that that's happening here is that, you know, um, this is an arena shooter. It's different than what is super super popular these days so that would be like your character shooters like your overwatch which are very you know easy to get into uh your battle royales your your you know fortnites and and PUBGs and stuff like that um this is a genre that is really um hurting uh for good games uh that are representing the genre so i'm wondering like is it possible for arena shooters or you know afps's to 
make a comeback, so to speak. Um, you know, Diabolical has a long way to go to be like the next big thing in gaming. But like, is it possible for you know the um the people who are really in the Fortnite and, and all that stuff to eventually move over to either this a FPS or maybe another one down the road and have this be like the next big thing, the zeitgeist of gaming? Uh, do you do you think there's any possibility of that? Oh, I 100% think that there's possibility for it, but I think you have to do the opposite of what Diabolicals is doing. Diabolicals is trying to appeal to an audience that has, as we've seen from its player base, kind of dwindled, and it's narrow, you know? Yeah. And I think that the next big AFPS is going to be one that brings something new to the table that may not necessarily uh, appeal to classic Quake fans. I think it's going to be something that's actually like an, an evolution of the genre because this, if the, if people wanted uh, old school Quake, they, I mean, they would have just like come to this game in droves. Uh, I, it, it was a free game on Epic. It, it had the, and it was, it was a front page game too. So it's had the exposure. And I and I'm I, I did, wasn't around playing this game to see what you know first week Twitch numbers looked like, but I imagine it had some kind of presence, it, it, whether it be large or small. I think the demand in an arena first person shooter, people like the meta experience. They like they like memes. They like uh, they like expression. They like um, customization. Kind of like I alluded to whenever we were talking about you know being having greater control of your uh, bot's appearance. People. Uh, also really like uh, emergent experiences. So if you're going to have an arena first-person shooter, I think it would have to be something that it, that pushes maybe more forward in the physics department, maybe like plays a little bit more around with, you know, augments to weapons. You know, I, it would do the opposite of what this game is doing. Yeah, yeah, those are those are great points. Uh, yeah, it would it would need something uh, newer. I, I have my doubts about whether Diabolical can be that, especially since it's been out for, um, uh, I think about a little less than two months now, and um, it has not super taken off. Now, Among Us took some time uh, to take off, so maybe maybe in the future. Um, I, I have my doubts. I, I mean, I like the uh, the um, arena shooters. I plan on still playing uh, Diabolical, but. Um, I, I really, I really don't think that AFPSs can really make it as big as they used to be. Quake is a dinosaur; it's a product of its time, and it's almost a fluke that um, you know, like the super competitive players uh, of you know days gone by, really flock to it to show their skill. Uh, I think the current zeitgeist of game development really prioritizes easy to get into um and with just the natural skill floor that these uh, games have i can't see diabolical or another game um basically becoming like the next huge uh gaming thing so um as unfortunate as that is i think just the times are different uh, maybe maybe that'll change but i don't have a lot of hope uh, unfortunately but i will you know um to to my like-minded friends i will uh you know recommend this game to them if they want to uh, feel bad about themselves for a couple hours yeah, if you want to be a Quake Bro again, this is the game for you. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, so cool, cool game. Not recommending it to everybody, but overall, um, a pretty good step forward in the arena shooter genre. Yeah, I, I and just kind of like some closing thoughts on it before we get into our uh, you know quick hits, so to speak. 
Um, I am glad that you recommended this game, despite, you know, having reservations about it, you know, uh, after the fact, uh, mostly just because it did kind of open me up to thinking more about what works today. Um, I, in like, you know, modern gaming and why we don't see more games like this today. And I, I think that there's a social element missing from this game that is present in other games that I think is, will be the ultimate thing that holds us back. Um, like, you know, you brought up Among Us a second ago, and I, I think that part of what made Among Us kind of crop up was that the game is your friends, not so much the game itself. And yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, yeah, and and I think that uh, games like Diabotical's, um, like that are trying to hang their hat on mechanics need to do something to make uh, if they're if they want to have that presence in the game industry that you know Fortnite and other games have is they they have to find a way to make it social to bring people into the experience and uh, make it feel more shared yeah that's that's a great point hopefully they can find a, a a way to do that because right now it's very isolated unless you have something outside the game that is a creating community uh like a clan or something or a group of uh, like esports like an esports team or something like that there's nothing inside the game that's really holding people together yeah so that's a great point okay all right. Okay. So I got a few quick hits uh, I wanted to get uh, get into uh, to to top things off here. Um, have you won any games? I have not. Uh, I, I've split my time in Diabolicals about 50 50 uh, between playing with you and playing by myself. You have absolutely beat the shit out of me every time we've played together. No, 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 no. The one time we did a one on one aim arena, you got me four to two. So I, I actually think okay, you might well, be a little better than I am. Okay, so uh, in games where it hasn't just be us, been us 1v1, you have crushed me in terms of scoring points. Whether it just be like, you know, uh, our 1v1 matchup may be favoring me. I think you have the, the better overall skill set uh, whenever we're in an arena with a bunch of other people, especially in free-for-all. I, I, think, I think that I'm just better at taking advantage of the chaos while, uh, you know, in, in our aim arena, I was trying to be like, you know, super no-scope, uh, point-and-click rifling you from far away, and you were just like, no, 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 I'm just going to spam you with rockets until you die from residual damage. Uh, so you definitely out-meted me. I just uh, I I would like to call myself some sort of mastermind or some kind of like physics genius, uh, but I just I sniff my glue, I, I shoot my rockets. That, that's what I do in this game. Oh, you big brained me for sure. Uh, I have a uh, one time I, I did uh, get into the one on one aim arenas for a little bit uh, and got absolutely stomped, and then eventually got to the point where <laughs> I was uh, being matched with people where I was kind of like winning about fifty percent of the time, and then I won. I got first place in one free for all, and that's about the the extent of my achievements at this game. That I I better than I have had. I would say. Sure. What's um? There are nine different weapons in Diabolical, maybe including melee. I'm not sure. But what's your favorite weapon? Uh, okay, so we already talked about it a little bit, but the the rocket launcher by a mile. It is. I uh, love rocket launchers in games that allow you to be like mobile while using them. Like Halo is one of the ones that comes to mind because you you have a lot of jumping and like you know like diving out of like uh like a mobile flight. You know uh. Uh, I guess vehicles and stuff like that. I like 
games that allow me to go boom while moving fast and this game does that oh yeah for sure the rocket launcher um high damage uh, especially if you could get, uh, get a square hit but very slow rocket so hard to aim you know it takes a lot of kind of leading the shot uh, and you know it seems like easy mode but it really does take uh, some effort to get really good at it and it's one of those very classic uh quake um uh quake weapons can you rocket jump well no, I cannot. I'm terrible at it. I've tried it a couple of times and just killed myself. Uh, I, I will say, though, that projectiles in games are... Uh, projectile weapons in games, I love. I love the, like... One of the most satisfying feelings in a game is when you're, like, leading a target and, like uh, while they're moving, it, and you hit it. It is so good. I, I love that more than anything, and that's why I'm drawn to stuff like the rocket launcher. Because it, it, there is, like, sure, you can, like, kind of make the joke, like, oh, yeah, I'm just going boom. But there is a sort of, like, you know, Zach Gilifanakis, like, in inside your head, like, math equation happening as you're, like, you know, aiming ahead of your opponent. Yeah, yeah, you are definitely the big brain player uh, between the two of us. Me, my favorite weapon is the super shotgun, just like pellets to the face. Uh, hard You're just the doom guy. A doom guy, yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, it's it's hard to aim. You have to get that square hit. But if you can get into close range and hit like one of those perfectly, um, you um, like it just does so much damage, and it really helps uh, like clearing out like. Um, um, uh, like little short like hallways like uh, confined spaces it's really good it's really good there and uh, really helps you take advantage of being able to move uh really quickly and if you're not that great a shot it actually does a good job of kind of just like um uh chipping away at their life total and like the the um uh, the rifle which does great damage but you really got to have that pinpoint accuracy yeah uh well so that that is I do really like the shotgun in this game. I'm terrible with it because I feel like I'm always just too far away. But anytime you've had the shotgun, especially in our one V one, it was really rough for me. Yeah. I think, I think most of the kills that you got on me, uh, other than when you were spamming me with rockets was also with the super shotgun. I remember you making good use of that. The last time we played in a free for all. Yeah, it was good. All right. So what's your favorite map? I don't know the names of any of the maps, but like, I know them by sight. Did you have one that you can describe that you liked a lot? I'm actually just going to rip this game really hard in this category. Uh, I think that this, uh, again, I really want this podcast to be a very positive thing, but sorry, we're going to have some stuff that we have issues with. Uh, I think the map design in this game is just very forgettable. Um, I, again, do not mean that as like, you know, like uh, an, an insult to the people who came up with the map designs, but like they are very samey, you know. Um, sure. That's that's my take on it. Uh, I I like the functional design of the maps i think that part is good but in terms of aesthetic i i, I think it, they look pretty but they're they're mostly the same and i probably couldn't tell you the difference between the two yeah that that totally makes a sense uh makes a lot of sense they the time that they put into the maps was clearly to like create like interesting a good gameplay experience good gameplay experience very interesting like uh, lanes of movement um that you can only see if you're good at moving like if you ever get up to like the top like parts of the um of all the different maps there's all sorts of like little paths you can take to like do things but like unless you're like good enough to actually get up there and like start doing those things you'll never see it uh, so if the if the maps seem a little bland it's because you have to be good at the game to see like the interesting design parts of the map 
Uh, so, so your response to my answer was uh, get good, bro. <laughs> I, I'll take it. I, I think it was. Um, I like the pirate ship. There's there's a pirate ship map that's uh, that's pretty cool. And there's a <laughs> and there's another one that has like it's like a big white building uh, and like there's a big inside area and then there's like a circular outside part of it. Um, I couldn't tell you the name of it, but that that's my favorite map. I will have to we'll have to jump back in so I can see the pirate ship one because I just do not remember it. <laughs> yeah, I, I have, to your point. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, I have I have one more question for you. Um, we talked all about customization of these egg bots. Describe your egg bot. What ha what design have you gone with and stuck with? Uh, one sentence to lead my description, but get to the chopper. <laughs> that's, cur that's currently uh, my egg box appearance. My egg bot's appearance is it's got two very like. Uh, like sort of angry dead eyes and then like a, just a big old like you know Arnold Schwarzenegger screaming mouth uh, it, it, it's very funny every time I log in and look at it I I, I well, the last two times that we hopped on to play uh, I wanted to be like hey look at look at my bot will and then I remembered I had already shown you <laughs> right right yeah I love those just soulless eyes you just killed so <laughs> Excuse me. You, you've killed me so many times that your eyes are just like dead with uh, with the weight of your actions I feel nothing about the blood on my hands. <laughs> well, I gotta say, mine's very as as you said, mine's very kawaii, very cute. Um, it's kind of like a it's, <laughs> a very, it's like a peachy white color, uh, and then I've got the anime blush, and then like the um uh um. Um, what would you call them? Emoji eyes. Um, it's it's like the um the V's. Uh, you know when they uh, uh like an anime person is like super like embarrassed. Uh, they've got that, and then the anime blush. It's very kawaii. You definitely look like you were taken off guard. Yeah, very uh, like a, a simultaneous like pleased but also embarrassed look on your face. Ah, don't shoot me. Yeah. <laughs> no shoot, senpai. Right, right, right. Yeah, but that's that's all I got to say about Diabotical, you know, a uh, fun game. I am ready to hear what you have lined up for us next week. Yeah, just and one more time, Will, I got to say, like, I, I feel like I complained a lot on this podcast, but this was like a very enlightening, like, uh, experience trying this out. And this is the kind of thing that I, I love about our podcast is that it's going to turn us on the games we may not have tried otherwise. And this selection was awesome because, like, it made me think about things that uh, I just don't think about in other games, which is more just like, you know, movements and like uh, weapon trajectory and stuff like that. This is, uh, and then also what I liked about other games that maybe this game needed to pick up on. So thanks again for like recommending this one. Oh, of course, of course. Uh, it is all downhill from here. Oh, I, and I expect nothing less. Uh, so uh, my exhortation for Will uh, is Dead Space. Oh, Dead Space. Oh, I love that game. And uh, Will acted surprised, but I already accidentally spoiled this to him because it went on sale uh, the week before we did this recording. And I like part of our uh, little, uh, you know, agreement whenever we came up with this is making it as easy as possible for the other person to, you know, experience these things. And I was like, well, this is this is easy. I can get a, you know, a copy for both of us for five bucks on a Steam sale. And I and I did just that. Um, I, I, so, I, very, I very much appreciate it. Um, I hope this doesn't doesn't turn into just us just buying each other games over and over. Again. No, no, but, no, 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 not not at all. Uh, we, we're going to torrent the hell out of some stuff. I'm just kidding. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, a parody. <laughs> this this is a parody podcast. Uh, yes. No, no, no. That, that, absolutely not. I'm not creating an expectation or a uh, or a precedent by uh, by doing that. It was just strictly. It's on sale. Uh, this is this is little 
cost for me to like make sure that he gets in on this with that with uh, as easily as possible. Uh, every other time, you can just say, "Jordan, you got to spend sixty bucks if I have to," and I'll do it. I, I'm beholden to it. Right, right, for sure, for sure. Um, I I love this game. I have played it before, so I guess this is going to happen sometimes uh, because we are trying to do this as like a surprise for each other. Occasionally, we'll suggest things that we've both done before, but I'm really excited about this pick. Um, I love this game. I I, I know it's going to generate a lot of interesting discussion about flavor and about design. Um, but just real quick, can you uh, give me a couple of points uh, on why you're choosing this? Yeah. So uh, first of all, this is. This is one of not just one of my favorite horror games, but one of my favorite games of all time. Uh, and part of it is a time and place thing. It, it came out uh, around this time uh, six years ago now, I believe it may, maybe longer. It was it, uh, 2008, maybe. Uh, anyways, October, it was Halloween season. Um, I'm a big fan of the movie Alien. And uh, so it, it just kind of had a lot of things line up for me whenever it released. Uh, also, because spooky season, it, it's spooky season, baby. Uh, we're gonna get we're gonna get scary. And if I get another decision in this month, it's also I, I, I get just just a hint. It's gonna be it's gonna be something spooky. <laughs> I, I think I think it's very um, time appropriate. Um, I, I like I said, we're going to have uh, lots to talk about, and I'm I'm super excited for it. So uh, looking forward to uh, to ha- our discussion uh, next week. So to kind of round out the episode, uh, do a little back matter. Um, last episode we talked about Fall Guys, and of course we're not going to just you know play a, a good game and just leave it on the shelf. Um, you know, uh, I'm sure both of us have played a little bit of Fall Guys since then, and they just came out with season two, which is medieval themed. Uh, Jordan, have you played any of season two? Uh, the last two days I've played a lot of it. Uh, I think it's been two days since they released it. I believe that's correct. But uh, I love the additions that they've made. I really enjoy the direction they're taking the game in. Mostly just that they added a second cue to the game. You know, jury's still out on how it'll work out for the game in the long run. But it, it completely excludes all the team games. Yeah, which is really cool, and I know a lot of people have been asking for that. But my my understanding is that's timed. That's not really supposed to be. Here's a cue for all of you, um, you know, people who don't want to do team games. It's more like here's an event that takes team games out. Enjoy it while it lasts, and then in next week we're going to get something that is um, e- like even wackier. I'm afraid that people are getting latched onto this idea of no more team games when it's really just meant to be a fun new way to play the game. Oh, oh so, yeah. Uh, but hopefully. It's popular hopefully yeah no no i i am definitely in the camp that like it's okay if they move away from this i uh, i should have stated that it was temporary though i do think that if any of these modes that they introduce and like the time exclusive things i think if any of them are popular enough that they'll stick around yeah, hopefully, hopefully. Um, I have been able to play a little bit, not too much. I have been able to play, um, I don't know how many new games there are, but I played the uh, the wall guys where you move the blocks and try to go over the hmm. huge walls. And I played the, um, the gauntlet with the um, the swingy thing. Uh, uh, Big Chonkus, is that what, yeah, they, what that, they're calling the, that? The Big Yetus. I did. I actually got first place uh, the very first time I played that uh, that round. So I'm a big fan of that uh, uh, new course. But um, I'm really looking forward to spending some more time after Dead Space, of course, uh, to um, jump into that game and uh, uh, see a little bit more of the new content. Yeah. So so uh, you know, Fall Guys season two. Good job. Yes, for sure. Fall Guys still a great game. All right, and uh, I guess I guess that's going to be it for us uh, this uh, 
or this episode. Uh, thank you so much for coming in and uh, you know hanging out with your disc dandies. Uh, you know my name's Will. Uh, I'm at Agro Rhetoric on Twitter. If anyone wants to follow me, uh, Jordan, where can they find you at? They can find me at, at Action Pancake on Twitter and nowhere else. <laughs> right. Follow the podcast at Disc Dandies Pod on Twitter. And this is going to do it for us. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next time. Thank you. establishing that you know old-timey quick players are crybabies any amount of change <laughs> is, is too much for them <laughs>